I'm just laughing so hard, man. It's like, you know, you're trying to get back in. Everybody has a long LSU night. You know, you're in fall break. But give it up for this band, killing it one time. Come on. And Christy Rose, man, that is not easy, all right? Greg playing guitar and the leads, one thing. And Sean, man, killing on the keys. But Christy, man, unbelievable. So super grateful because Van Halen in church, that's what my dreams are made of as a kid. I'm going to tell you. I promise you, all right? And it is good to be back. And thank you to everyone who sent me text and card. I could not read all the text. My phone was put away literally because I could not see. It was just a bad thing. But all of you who sent um, all the cards and, and sweets. I, when I got back, there were cards on my desk and gift cards and stuff. So just super, super grateful. I love y'all. It was not easy. Here's a picture of my eyeball, just so you guys that don't know. Pretty rough, all right? And it was um, basically a retina tear that happened when we landed in Dallas. So you probably already heard that, but just to give you a little bit of a background, you know, they injured myself at the boardwalk. They said I was good, went and did all the fun stuff up in New York, had an amazing trip on Tunnel to Towers Run with the guys and uh, Eddie and Elizabeth getting engaged. Come on, give them a little love. Come on, yeah, whoop, whoop, whoop. Had a lot of fun, all right? So didn't think anything about it. Landed, and man, my eyes started going black, told Angie. I was like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, you know? So I went to Dr. Nawis and Dr. Baber, both of them. I'm super grateful for them. Dr. Baber did the surgery. Uh, Wally's the one that kind of helped me out, including his wife, giving me some Finnegan when I was sick after the surgery. But they were just super, super helpful. Um, and we were trying to repair, get it all done. And so I still can't see out of it. They think it'll be another two weeks, maybe a month, that I will regain my sight. But I'm good enough to get here today. Can I get a little love on that? Come on, y'all. Can't keep me down, son. I got to go. It's hard for me to sit back and, and not do anything. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I also thinking of all of the people who helped me, Dr. Baber and Wally and all that. But I got to thank Nurse Angie, son, right now. <laughs> I just want y'all to know every man has a dream. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Halloween's coming, Angie. Oh, look, they took it down quick. Hey, cat. Uh uh, cat, put it back up. Don't let them go quick. That's right. Here's what's so funny Angie is going to kill me after this, all right? I want y'all to know she will absolutely murder me. So y'all pray for me after this. All right. Now, let's get into what we're talking about today. All right, while I was down, a lot of things were rolling through this brain, all right? I got a couple of messages I was already written while I was down because I was like, man, I got to get this out. But someone sent me a text, too, one of my buddies, Stillman. He actually was like, man, what happens, you know, when it don't go your way? And I'm like, brother, you're preaching to the choir, you know? What happens when you're not living the dream? So here's what hits me right in the midst of everything going on. Have you ever personally been forced to stop doing what you love? Have you ever been forced to just stop right where you are in your tracks and you can't do anything? It's like, this is it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what move to make. You're like, I am forced to just stand still right now. And I've been there recently. Well, another song came to mind when I was thinking about this. I'm not going to dim the lights and I'm not going to play the video where it's quiet. I just, I'm going to talk over it, but I'm going to give you a little trivia. All right, we did Van Halen Day. Anybody know who these guys are right here? Anybody know who that is? Old people are like, oh. It's a band called Green Day, all right? So go ahead and hit play on the video. We'll let play on. This, this was their song. The and it was uh, titled 
the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. It was very, very popular. I mean, it took off. This was like a huge song for all of them. And in the process of them writing the song, their whole thought process was, hey, we're in Hollywood, we're trying to make it, everything's supposed to be great, we're a band, it's going to be awesome. But unlike Van Halen's dreams, you know, it's like, man, we're going higher and higher, and we're winning and albums are selling. This is kind of like, what happens when it don't work? And you walk the boulevard of broken dreams. Well, that's the question. Have you ever had a broken dream? What about broken dreams? Career, relationships, health for me, like when your eyes, you know, is taken out of your head and you're sitting here going, man, am I going to go blind or not? And everybody kind of jokes about it. You're like, oh, a lot of people are torn the retina well, but if it's you and you're in that chair, you're like, man, this is weird. And he's serious. They're warning you. Like, you cannot do anything, blah, 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 blah. Freaks you out a little bit. 54 years old. There's only one other time that I've had a head injury and it was a long time ago. It explains a lot, by the way. I had a concussion. You know, you're like, man, why is that guy so crazy? I was in my 20s playing volleyball down on Clyde Fant, man, hit my head real hard. And my mom had to take care of me. She literally had to put me in her house. And I was down for about two weeks. Same thing, real dizzy, couldn't do anything. I was like, uh-uh. And here I am again at 54 years later. And the doctor looks and he says, the only thing you can pick up is a fork, a remote, and a toothbrush. And everybody's like, that's heaven, man like, man, if all i got to do is eat, watch TV, you know what I'm saying, brush my teeth occasionally, I'm good. But I'm going to be honest with you, it was hell for me. It was not heaven for me. They're telling you, sit in the recliner and don't do anything. Don't mow the grass. If you drop something, call somebody. You cannot bend over to pick it up. If you're going to the bathroom, TTing, look forward. So if I TTed on the seat, I'm sorry, Angie, all right? <laughs> True. They were like, you cannot bend your head over. I'm like, I mean, I can't, no. Man, if that air bubble in your eye goes wrong, dude, ba-boom, you're in trouble. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And you maybe can relate, but I really do love what I'm doing. This is my dream. I am super grateful that you watch online. I'm super grateful that you're in the room. I love helping people. It's fun to create the messages and use Van Halen and all these different things that I grew up with to be able to communicate a message. That's just my dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. And then all of a sudden, boom, you can't see, can't do it, can't move. If you move, you get dizzy. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, but let me just go ahead and tell you. I'm not good with dizzy. Is anybody like me, all right? Like, I don't, if I had broken my leg, I'd have been better. But when I get dizzy and you can't see out of one eye and everything's real off, I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. Well, we leave the surgery center and they're like, oh, he's good. I'm all happy. And hey, you know, because I'm hiring a kite, son. I'm like, hey. <laughs> we get about two miles down the road. It is not happy. Angie looks at me and she said, I turned like green and yellow, like a Martian, all right? And she's like, are you all right? I'm like, I don't think I'm okay. We drive all the way. I have to get to, I get to Bozier finally. We pull over on the side of the road. And I sit on the side of the road for an hour and a half. I had to put my feet on the ground. You ever been sick like that? I'm like, pull over, pull over. She's like, why? I said, I got to touch the ground because I put my feet on the ground and uh, Wally Noss' wife, so sweet, she comes and brings me vinegar and I'm trying to, I'm rubbing everything I can, man. I'll be like, eh, you know, I'm rubbing everything. Trying not to get sick. Robin comes to the rescue. Horton, she brings me some Zofran. I'm trying to just survive because they said, remember, I can't bend over. I can't do anything. I can't drop anything. They said, man, if you throw up, you mess the whole thing up. I'm like, what? You're going to go blind. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, 
I'm lamazing, man. I'm breathing in, breathing out, and Angie's nervous. So we finally start going back down the road again. I get all the way to the street that I live on. I mean, it's an hour from where I have surgery to my house by traffic and how things are going. And now it's taking me three hours because we pulled over. And I get on my street, and Angie's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, I'm, it's finna happen. I'm finna blow. I got to, I'm, it's finna happen. I'm finna throw up. She's like, don't do it. Don't do it. She's screaming at me. You ever had your wife scream at you, men? You know what I'm talking about? Don't do it. Don't Nurse Angie was gone. The devil came in that car, all right? I got a chicken cutlet on my eye, you know. I got this thing on my eye, the flap. I'm high. I'm drunk. I mean, I'm like, you know. All of a sudden, all I do is I just start hitting the window because I know it's coming. It don't matter if she's screaming. It's coming. I roll down that window. We're slow rolling about two miles an hour because she's so busy focused on me. She's not going to stop. She just keeps slow rolling. Dude, I drive by through up all my neighbors, son. I drove by. We're like slow by. And I, I'm just thinking, Angie, if you stop the car, it'll help. No, she just driving. What are you doing? Stop. So we're, she's screaming at me. I'm blowing chunks out the window at about two miles an hour. And I look up and a lady's gardening, old grandma gardening. She turns around like, can you imagine that sight? A woman screaming at this guy with a chicken cutlet on his eye and he's blowing chunks going down the road, all right? And she says, are you okay? I'm like, mm, you know. I was not okay, but it brought all of this to mind. This morning, you okay? What happens when really you're doing life, you're living life, you love what's going on, you're living the dream, man. And then the job is over, the marriage is over. You can't do anything. You feel like your health maybe, it's a diagnosis and you're going, man, are you okay? You're like, man, I'm not okay. A little bit more of the story, when we landed from New York, I'm in Dallas, my eye goes black, I call my doctor, and the doctor's like, you need to get here, and he was in uh, Longview, he has a practice here in Shreveport and one Longview, so I was like, we're on our way, so we get to Longview, we sit down, the guy, he looks at me, and, and he looks at it, and he goes, man, you're in trouble, you need to go right now, you're going to surgery at Highland, and so I was going to the Highland Hospital, so I'm like, do what? He's like, have you eaten? And I'm like, look at me. Of course I've eaten. He's like, no, you can't eat anymore. We're going to surgery. So they run me over there, give me the IV. I'm all in the waiting room, you know, in the surgery pre-op and all that stuff. IV's in. They come in after hours and go, man, we got to cancel your surgery. You got to come back in the morning. To tell you that I was not happy, you know, you're frustrated. You're like, are you kidding me? And they're like, no, man, you need to release. Well, it was about 6.30 that night now, something like that. And so me and Angie were there, and I was like, well, I can eat, you know. I can eat. At least I can go and eat. So uh, Keith Lockhart and Keith Sally were eating at Imperial Cafe. And if you don't know who Lockhart is, I'm going to put his picture up here for you. It's this guy right here. This is Jim and Rich. This is when we were in New York. But Keith's one of my good friends in our life group. And Lockhart and Sally meet me at Imperial Cafe with Angie. So I'm hangry. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm blind. I'm frustrated. We're sitting down. And what do you do with a broken dream? What do you do when you're frustrated? I'm kind of whining, complaining. You know, I'm just frustrated. And old Lockhart, we call him the old wise one. You know, Lockhart looks at me and he goes, hey, man. Hey, man. Hey. We're eating in Comparic Cup. There's people everywhere. And I'm, you know, complaining. He's like, hey, hey, here's what you need to do. You know, and I'm like, I'm finna punch you is what I'm finna do. You know, he goes, no, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm like, what? He goes, you need to embrace it, man. And I'm like, 
Embrace what? He's like, dude, you're fixing to just be in a situation where you can just chill for a little while. You got the wrong attitude. You need to just be able to chill, man. You can't do anything about it. Embrace where you are. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Then he goes, I even got one better. And I was like, what's that? He was like, milk it, man, for all it's worth, all right? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was, dude, get a bell. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he was joking, and we were getting going on. And he was like, seriously, you can't change it. You can't run from it. You can, you, if you feel sorry for us, it ain't going to do any good. You can live in denial. It's happening, so don't act like it's not happening. You can blame somebody else, or you can even blame God if you want to. But just for the record, when your dreams are broken, you go through all of that. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're blame, you want to blame other people. And then this is the passage that I found that's very apropos for today. People ruin their lives with the foolish things they do, and then they blame the Lord for it. Can I get an amen? See, really, I hit the board. You know, the board came up and hit me in the eye. It's my fault. It's not God's fault. It's not your fault. It's not the board's fault. It's just part of it. But I can't blame somebody else for it. And when dreams break, it makes you mad. You even begin to question God. Think about it. If you're going through a marriage and a divorce and you're like, going, what's going on? This is the kind of things you say. Look at this scripture. How long will you forget me, Lord? Forever? How long are you going to look the other way? Lord, I'm in need here. Come on, man. Do you see me here? My dreams are broken. I'm glad everybody's living the dream. And people are, embrace it, man. Milk it. You're going to be all right. I'm like, no, man, I'm mad. And this is the reality for all of us today. If you didn't come for anything else, please grab a hold of it. Listen, process, and I am in the same place as you. And here's what I'm learning. When dreams are broken, you really do have a choice. You don't like it. I don't like it. But you can either get bitter or you can get better. You can go to the dark place or you can say, you know what? Keith's right. I really can learn something from this. And when you look at bitterness, it's defined as anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. So when you're in a bad custody battle, when you're in a bad work environment, when you're in situations where it's just blowing up on you and you begin to get bitter, it's because you're angry and disappointed because you're going, this isn't fair. And then Job said it best. You remember this, Job 10.1, I'm disgusted with my life, God. My bitter soul must do what? That's fun to be around, isn't it? Somebody's had their dreams broken and all they do is just they're miserable. They complain. They whine. You make your life miserable and everybody else's miserable. And that's where Keith was like going, hey, man, are you going to make me, you, and everybody else miserable? Or are you going to work through this? See, because what is true is Ephesians chapter 4, 31 says you got to get rid of all of this bitterness, rage, and this anger. All of it. Not some of it. I'm not happy about it. I don't like what's going on. I don't like that I've lost my marriage. I don't like that I lost my job. I don't like it that my health's done. I don't like sitting in this recliner. I don't like having to just sit here and just do nothing because, man, I'm a goer. I want to go, but here's the deal. I'm not. What can I learn from it, though? If I'm not happy about it, what are you doing, God? Is there some lesson in here that I need to grab a hold of for myself? Could not help but think about this guy right here. You may remember Joseph in the Technicolor coat. You may remember that little Broadway play. And yes, that's Donny Osmond. Isn't that crazy? 
But let me tell you something, it's bigger than a Broadway play. This is a biblical story about betrayal, rejection, slavery, prison, false accusations. It's about a lot, and it is not about the dream. It's not about living the dream. It was a literal living hell for Joseph. And if it was you going through betrayal and all of the things, your family sold you out and your boss's wife has lied about you and it's, you're going to prison and you're a slave. You think about all the negativity. Joseph really had a choice. Just like you and I do, there's a lot to learn from this. And the question is, is you, just like Joseph, just like me, is this God's plan? And that is a great question. What I've learned is, is in the midst of all of the difficulty, the struggle, the negativity, all the stuff you're going through, it is a part of his plan. Now, it's not always his will. In other words, it's not like, hey, this is what I exactly want for you. But even in the bad and even in the struggle, he's like, I'm going to show you something through this. Because remember, sometimes our foolish decisions cause the pain. Sometimes it's someone else's foolish decisions that cause the pain. And God's like, okay, it's free will and all this stuff is kind of messed up, but I'm still going to work through this. And the thing that I want all of you to remember, I can guarantee you everyone in this room has experienced a broken dream of one situation or another. You might be right in the middle of it right now, man. You came to church going, all right, God, help me. Man, I hate where I'm at. I cannot believe this is happening. But I want to remind you what I was reminding myself after 10 days of sitting in the recliner. Dude, I ain't sitting nowhere for 10 days. Remote and a fork. I did not lose weight. Can I get an amen on that? You just, I mean, I'm like, oh, great. I'm just going to get fatter. This is perfect, you know. But this is what I learned. Your story... Is still being written. When you're at the low point, when you're at the dark place, when the dream has failed and it's not really working, you got to answer this question. Will you trust God or will you blame God? God, I don't understand, but I will. Are you ready for it? Hang on, get ready. God, I don't understand, but I will be patient. See, this is what we really don't like. Can I get some love on that? We hate being patient. Y'all know this. Our culture is the furthest thing from patient. And Angie would say, and so are you, Justin, because I'm not very patient. She knows that. That's why she asked for prayer because she's like, I got to live with this maniac for 10 days in a recliner trying to get him not to go somewhere, not to do something, not to pick something up. She was nervous, nervous, nervous because being patient is not my strength. Let's go. Let's go. We can get this done. And in our culture, we hate this word. We want immediate gratification everywhere you turn. I ran across this sign and I thought, boy, this is perfect. I had patience tested. It came back negative. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> you know? It's like, dude, man, uh-uh. Uh-uh, I ain't got it. And then you start looking back at Scripture and you start looking at who we're supposed to be. And Galatians shows us a whole other side. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, not you, Justin, not your flesh, but when the Holy Spirit controls your life, he will produce this kind of fruit in us, love and joy and peace. And what's that word? 
So here's the battle. Is the Holy Spirit controlling my life? Or am I so in the flesh, so aggravated, so grouchy that I'm going to cause misery to myself and everybody else around me? And I have a feeling I'm not the only one. And you already know this. Walking with the Lord is difficult without patience. It's very difficult. If you go back to Joseph, think about this. He was 17 years old, most theologians believe, when he had the dream. When he had this awesome dream of what God was going to do with his life, and it was going to be amazing. And guess how many years of trouble before he experienced the fulfillment of the dream? About 13 years of negative circumstance after negative circumstance. You're worried about a bad month, a bad few days, a bad few weeks like me. Couldn't you imagine 13 years being told to wait? You're like, hey, I got this dream. God's going to do this amazing thing. But then just keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. So why do I bring all this up? Because more than likely, you can relate to Joseph. You can kind of relate to what I'm going through. And maybe your situation is a thousand times worse. Because trust me, mine's pretty minor in the grand scheme of things. You being a little whiny, Justin, get over it. You can get up, you can move. There's a lot of people in a lot worse situations. Some of my closest friends right now, their family got diagnosed with cancer. You think about what's going on in Israel right now, please pray for Israel and all the people going over in the Middle East. You know how difficult all this stuff is. We got it really good. And you're worried about your little situation, your job or your family. But to you, it's huge. And I get it. I feel you. But what do you do while you're waiting for God to come through, for the dream to happen? You can learn from Joseph. That's what, while I'm in this chair, this is all in my mind. I got one eye I can't see, and I'm trying to voice tell my phone what I'm thinking. So if it don't make sense, blame my voice memo. You know what I'm saying? But what do you do while you're waiting? Number one, you ready? Please remember this. Write this down. Don't forget it. Just do your job. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Do your job. Another way to say it, be, be obedient. What are you talking about, Joshua? Well, let's go back to Joseph. He was a shepherd. What did he do? He, he continued to shepherd. When he was a slave, what did he do? He tried to be the very best slave he could be. As weird as that sounds, he did his job very well. When he was a prisoner, he did everything he was supposed to do to be the best prisoner. And eventually, when he was the government official, when he was in charge, guess what he did? He did it to the best of his ability, whatever he was doing. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He's one of the only biblical characters. When you see the story of what went through, you don't see any whining and complaining. He just did his job. He was obedient. I love this quote. Whether you're in a good or bad situation, you've got a job to do. And every child of God has been assigned a certain group of people to minister to. And you will encounter them through divine appointment. And you go, well, what does this got to do with anything? Well, here is the illustration that we see in Joseph's life. In the worst of the worst, he kept being confronted with divine appointment after divine appointment. That was ultimately going to set him up to live in the dream. But if he had been so consumed with his problem that he didn't see the person sitting in front of him, he would have missed the dream. You got to remember, he was the it was the king's butler at one point. While he's in prison, he's seeing someone and he's hearing it and he begins to recognize the appointment that's in front of him. It's the baker 
If you go to Joseph's story, you can look this story up. There was different people that God would put in his life in the middle of prison, in the middle of bad circumstances. It was Potiphar. It was these different circumstances and relationships that came in in the middle of the struggle. But Joseph wasn't so consumed with the struggle that he couldn't see the person sitting in front of him. You got to remember, Potiphar's wife lied on him, but still Joseph was obedient. He did his job. He did everything he was supposed to do, no matter what the circumstances looked like. He was faithful. And guess what? People noticed. Genesis 39 tells us this. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph in a very special way. What I want you to understand is, is even in the lowest point of your life, Trust him. Keep being faithful. Keep being obedient. Do what he asks you to do. Because you and I both know it is so easy to get absorbed in your situation that you miss the opportunity to meet the needs of others right in front of you. And let me tell you about two circumstances that I encountered while I'm battling this eye problem. I told you that I went to Highland. Went through the whole process, had my IV, the nurses are cool and are talking and are like, oh, it's going to be awesome, we're going to get you in. Hours and hours and hours, they eventually released me because I was a little whiny about it, but they come in and said, Justin, there's a really bad cancer surgery going on and they're going to have to push you to tomorrow morning. And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, come on, dude, suck it up. You ain't got cancer. That poor family, whoever they were, what was going on, just, and so... In my head, I'm struggling, but that nurse didn't know it. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I get in the car, you know, and Angie's like, are you all right? I'm hangry, Angie. Frustrated, but it's all right. We're going to get there. And then I'm thinking, am I going to go blind tonight? Surely they wouldn't lease me if I'm going blind. I'm going through all those different things. We get up the next morning. We get to the surgery center. Now we're going to move to Burt Coons to a surgery center over there behind that McDonald's. About 530 in the morning, you know, it's early. Can't eat after midnight. I love a bowl of cereal. You want to know why I'm fat? I love cereal. And I love eating it at night. Oh, 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 it don't matter, right? No cereal. Get up and go. So I get up and get there hangry already because it's the morning, ready to get the surgery over. I walk in the front door and the little girl sitting at the desk. There's nobody there, not a person in the surgery center. A little girl at the front desk. She looks up and me and Angie walk in. We're by ourselves. We're there so early that it's pitch black and they're opening the door once they see us in the parking lot. She's like, come on in. We walk in and she goes, oh, it's you. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh, you know. And she goes, I cannot believe I'm seeing you. And Angie's like, you know, what's going on? You know, it's a cute little girl, sweet. I'm like, I don't know, Angie. I don't know her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, you won't remember me, but you baptized me when I was eight years old. And I have been away from the Lord. And recently, I've come back to him. And I've been praying like, God, like, just keep showing me that I'm doing the right thing. She had her little devotion book on her counter. <laughs> And she goes, and I had told God, I was like, I remember that baptism, and I remember you, Justin, doing that. And she looks at me, and she goes, and you're standing here, and I want to tell you, 
when I get married, I want you to do my wedding. <laughs> and then I'm going, that's why you waited, dummy. It ain't about you. Still not about you. That little girl needed to be encouraged. That little girl needed to be reminded. Her name was Serena. I was like, Serena, that is so cool, man. Thank you for telling me. You know what I'm saying? I said, I hope I, I, hope I can see you then. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm blind. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it's horrible. But I seriously, I was like, it really is cool. So while we're talking and she's super sweet and Angie's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. I'm like, okay, cool, man. This is awesome. Another little girl comes around the corner and she's like, is that him? So then I'm like, man, they already called ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, what's going on? And she was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's Justin or whatever. And she's like, oh, Lord, you don't even know what's coming. And I'm like, what's that mean? And she goes, your biggest fan works here, and she's coming in today. And Serena started laughing. And I was like, she goes, let me just get you back or whatever. So I go back, and the little girl is getting me ready for the surgery or whatever. She goes, you don't know this. She goes, I don't know who you are. I've never seen you. I don't know what's going on. She goes, but there's a girl that works here in the surgery center. She only watches online. <laughs> and every, you know, Monday, she comes in and tells us what you preach on. <laughs> she tells you how much she loves you, the simple church. There's always something to learn. And her name is Deanna. Hey, Deanna. <laughs> and she goes, when she gets here, she's going to freak out that you're here. So it's about another 15 minutes or so, and all of a sudden they're like, Deanna, guess who's here? She comes around the corner. Oh, my God. And I'm like, come on, let's take a picture. I'll put you on the pre-show. She's like, no way. All right? She goes, but I really do watch every week. I'm so thankful for what y'all do. I'm going, hey, Justin, it ain't about you. I wanted to encourage Deanna. Proverbs 16, 9, you ready for this? We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Even in the adversity, he knows what's up. When you're frustrated, and oh my God, I can't believe I'm having to go through all this. I'm telling you, man, the Lord's not confused. When Brian's speaking and Evan's speaking, and some of you are like, and this is just for the record, don't ever walk in and go, I ain't going to get anything out of today. Do you really believe that God is limited by the communicator to teach you something or show you something? Because just like he was teaching me, if we're open to what God's doing and we're obedient and we do what we're supposed to do, God can speak through any and every circumstance if you'll just open your eyes, if you'll just open your ears. And I'm speaking to myself as I'm speaking to you. Because in that circumstance, I really wasn't thinking all that. And God was like, hey, 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 pay attention, pay attention. The second lesson you can learn while you're waiting on your dream to come true, and this is from Joseph. He did the same thing. He met the person in front of him. God did something in him, did something in them. And I saw that with this surgery. Even with Dr. Baber. I could just see, man, it's like, hey, it's cool. Man, it's nice to meet you. I didn't know you. Thank you, man. Every time now he comes in, hey, Rev, you know, and we're cutting up. And I'm thinking, would have never known him. The second thing that you got to do in the midst of the struggle is this. You ready? Here's the hard part, right? You do your job and then you don't complain. This is a tough one 
When you talk about a miracle, Joseph did it. He never complained. Remember this statement. You've probably heard it before if you've grown up in church. If you didn't grow up in church, it'll be a good one. If the Lord brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. Can I get an amen? Doesn't matter what you're going through. How do we know that looking at scriptures? If he brought you to it, he's going to get you through it. Don't give up. Don't start complaining because in the midst of it, there may be someone that's listening from your kids to your family to your neighbors to your coworkers. Who knows that the way you handle that adversity is something for them to learn from. They go, man, I really needed that today. Proverbs said it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. <laughs> that's pretty good right there. Well, I think I know what's going on. You don't know nothing. I don't know nothing. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right path, the right way. See, here's the whole thing, man. Trust in the Lord. Don't rely on what you think you know. Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it, but I'm going to, guess what? Embrace it. Lockhart was right. I'll put this little statement on the screen for you just so you can see whatever you're going through, there's a lesson to be learned, so embrace it. I couldn't help but also in the process of working through this, what are you going through? Somebody go, man, I don't want to embrace my divorce. I'm not going to embrace, you know, this cancer. I'm not going to. No, what I'm trying to tell you is embrace the circumstance and do your job. Be open. Look for the person in front of you. Look for the next ministry opportunity. Don't find yourself complaining and griping because when you embrace it, you inspire others, you encourage others, you help others. And guess what? It, in turn, it turns around and it helps you. And I couldn't help but find a Steve Hartman to make that point true today. Come on, y'all, huh? I heard Evan booted one of my Steve Hartmans. He's going to hell, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Just joking. That's a joke. Y'all know that. But why? Well, I couldn't help, but if I'm going to do a Steve Hartman, I got to do a blind guy. <laughs> True. And I bet you'll learn something from it because this is someone who's embracing a difficult time and it's pretty miraculous. A lesson we could all learn from. Living the dream. Watch. I could. Sure you're using that cane right. Nine-year-old Ben Pierce of Denton, Texas isn't blind. He's just preparing for that eventuality. I'm sorry. Born 17 weeks premature, Ben suffers from a condition that is slowly stealing his sight. He has already lost his peripheral vision, and his parents, Dan and Heidi, say the rest may soon follow. And so our goal became, what can we help him experience to store up these memories? And we sat him down and said, what do you think would be cool to see? What's on your wish list? Are <laughs> you a little excited? For the last year, the Pierces have been crossing sights off Ben's Before I Go Blind bucket list. Oh yeah, I see it! They have explored everything, from the depths of Arizona to high above Alaska, from places they can go in their van to far away Van Gogh's. Guess who that is? Person over there. I have no idea. <laughs> Me neither. The kid is nine, which is also reflected in the list itself. We tried to stay very true to exactly what he said, and some of it was weird. He wanted to see the inside of a water tower. He wanted to see the inside of the Apple store. And his enthusiasm about seeing these things, his, his joy is contagious. Today, it's chalk under a microscope. There we go. Yes, that was actually on the list. 
And that's your chalk dust. His parents really are trying to cram in as many different visuals as they can. He'll be able to talk about what the ocean is like with his kids. And he will remember in his mind what that looks like because he was there before. It's a gift he may never be able to fully appreciate. At least, so I thought. You realize how lucky you are that your parents are helping make all this happen? He considered that for quite a while, then asked me a question. Do you have a pencil? As his parents later explained. Sure, why? When Ben finds a question too emotional to answer, he prefers to draw it out. Eventually, he handed me a full sheet of doodles, which included the word Aurora, as in Borealis. A little guy saying, wow. The words iPad from dad and the inside of the Apple store. And all this equals yes, I'm thankful. Ben may be losing his eyesight, but he clearly sees what he's got. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Denton, Texas. Come on, y'all. Come on, man. Did you ever hear the kid complain? He's just doing what's in front of him. Bringing joy, smiling, walking through, knowing that his eventual reality is going to be difficult. But man, this is to me, I'm like, all right, Lord, help me. Your dreams are broken. It hasn't gone the way you thought. God, help me. I trust you. I know I need to be patient. There's going to be something in front of me that I need to do. I don't want to be finding myself complaining. Because in the end, what Joseph found out is very true. The end of the story, you already know Joseph sold by his brothers, his family sold him out, thrown in the you know, pit, thrown into jail, slavery, bad after bad after bad. Eventually, by doing his job and being faithful, God lets his dream come true. And the very people who sold him out, who turned against him or before him, and he has a chance for revenge. He has a chance to pay them back. The family that rejected him and hurt him are standing before him begging for the food that now he's the top guy in the company. And he looks at them and he says this, you meant to hurt me, but God turned your evil into good to save the lives of many people. I tell people this all the time. I don't know what God's going to do and how it's going to work out, but I can tell you this. Our God is in the business of what someone means to harm you or what seems like it's going to be very difficult and messy and ugly, God's like, I'm going to bring good out of this. So be patient. Do your job. Don't complain. And trust him. And when you do that, you're going to see it. You're going to go, all right, God, I get it. While I was laid up, I couldn't really watch TV all the time. It made me dizzy. But I was listening to this book by Bono, one of my heroes, rock star from U2. He wrote a book called Surrender, and it's, I had it on audio. So Angie would come up there, and it'd be in the dark, and she'd hear me. She's like, he's listening to Bono again. Everybody be careful. But what I love about the book, it's 40 songs, and it's his life in these 40 songs. And I could not help but think about this song, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to play it and let the video play, and I'll talk over it. But this is from Live at the Red Rocks. It's all about I will follow. 
It was this whole idea of walk away, walk away, I will follow away. Walk away, walk away, I will follow. It was one of their biggest hits. It's a classic U2 song. Well, he tells the story of why he wrote it. He said, man, what I learned is, is in my life, there were so many times I was walking away, walking away from God. Walking away, walk away, walk away, walk away. And I found that God would follow. Walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away. God will follow. And I thought, man, how powerful. Then he goes into the prodigal son story in this book. He's like, do you remember this, Luke 15? While he was still far away, his dad saw him and moved with compassion. He ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, why would I bring that up as a closer today? Why would I bring that up as something to kind of wrap our mind around? It's because when your dreams are broken, Bono's mom died, went through some hard times. Ireland was in a lot of battles, much like what's going on in Israel today. They were battling, but unfortunately, over religion, Protestant and Catholic back in the day. And all that caused him to walk away, the darkness, the difficulty. And he says, but what I learned was is that God was always following. He was moved with compassion. He had his eye on me, and he kept coming to me. He said, all I had to do was turn around and come back to him. And that's why I bring it up today is maybe you've, because of broken dreams, because of struggle, because of difficulty, you're walking away. You're walking away. And I'm telling you, man, our God, Jesus Christ himself, loves you. He loves me and he has a great plan for you. And in the midst of the struggle and it don't make sense, I promise you, you can trust him. Not church, not religion. It doesn't make sense, man. Church or religion can leave you empty. It can cause you to be bitter. It can cause you to be hurt. I mean, there's just a lot in that. But I'm telling you, the person of Jesus, when you see him, when you know him, it really is a God who loves us and is moved with compassion and comes after us. And if we'll just come to him, he will embrace you. He will hold you. He will remind you of your purpose. If you remember, the prodigal son went through some pretty broken dreams of his own doing and most of us would have given up and thrown in the towel. Man, we ain't going to put up with that. But once again, God shows us, man, he ain't like you and me. And if you need that hope today, today is your day. Would you pray with me? Father, I know that there's broken dream in this room, and I pray that they would see who you are, that you are with them in the midst of the pit, you're with them in the midst of the broken dream, and you got a plan for them if they'll trust you. And I pray that they would today, Lord. Not religion, not church, but say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life and change me. Come into this situation and help me. Help me to be patient. Help me to do what I need to do, to be obedient. And help me to follow you, Jesus. Because I know you're always there for me. And so now, God, I ask you as I walk out of here, and whatever comes at me, whatever's happening, cancer, you know, health stuff, relationship stuff, job stuff, Lord, that I would just be faithful to you because you in the end really do have a plan and you can bring good out of whatever evil, whatever darkness the enemy tries to throw at us. I thank you for that hope today and I thank you for the people in this room and I can't wait to hear those stories of what you're doing in their lives, Father. Thank you. Help us to embrace it and learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.